0: This is the best of The Run Home with Joel and Fletch. Catch them weekdays for the all-new Hyundai Kona.
1: Welcome to the best of The Run Home with Joel and Fletch and the missile, he got here with one second to go. Uh, I went to Robbie Williams, so I caught up on all things that. Melbourne versus Sydney, the rivalry, and the missile on a little orienteering adventure. Thursday, the 23rd of November, and what about... I was about to call Nathan Adrian because I thought this bloke was going to miss out.
2: <laughs>
1: but literally, listen, if we take you behind the curtains, just as we come to air, he puts his headsets on. Captain Cool, the missile, who, to his credit, he was called up very late notice because Socky, who was supposed to be on the program, he's got some cricket training, so the coaches asked more of uh, them out there at Hawkesbury. But the great missile... Has stepped up to the page. Hello, mate.
3: Never in doubt, Joel. Never in doubt. Uh, I always get in trouble off my missus. Used to get in trouble off the swim coaches as well for walking too slow. Yes. I'm never in a rush. It's good. I think it's part product of growing up in Port Macquarie, part product of just being, I don't know, quite calm and collected, quite happy in your own skin. And uh, I was sauntering (laughs) in and I thought, ah, it's pretty close. And I was looking around and I thought, oh, yeah. Yep. What did we have, two seconds, one second to spare? One second, I, reckon, in, I'm in, yeah. I reckon I'm the same as you in that
1: uh, mentality towards being on time. And you just know you're going to get there, don't you?
3: Yeah.
2: And you
1: did. Yeah. You got there within <laughs> about two seconds, not even two seconds, probably one second. I'll tell you what I noticed, I, and I didn't even notice until I posted it. I posted on my Instagram a story of Robbie Williams, because Kids is my favourite song, so a little video yeah, there. Yeah, I like it, yeah. Um, and, and when we first got there, everyone's got their phones out. And I thought to myself, and we did this same thing over with you two over in America. Whatever you record on your little phone mm. is not going to be worth much to everyone else. And saying no. that, I recorded something and posted it. But yep. if you get a chance to look at it, and I sent it to you, Miss mm. Oll, have a look at his feet. Yeah. Did, did you see that? Yeah. You can't unsee it. It's like he's got a size 18 foot. This little man has got a size his shoes just look massive,
3: and they were kind of the—they're a big, chunky shoe as well. So is it that he's that short and his shoes an average size, or is he an average size and his shoes are? It's <laughs> like Pluto's foot, you know Pluto in yeah. It was like these giant. But he's shoes. moving well despite the size of his feet. Yes, like you'd think he'd be awkward. I know, but he's moving quite well. It's like he's got flippers on. I know. It looked like a
0: kid wearing their parents' shoes have gone and raided yeah. the cupboard and come out with some. Size ten Timberlands. You can't see it. As
1: soon as you see it, it's all you can see. Um, I tell you what I noticed. Right, so we went down to Amy Park. We flew back this morning, and Jesus, I I love this war. When I say war, I'm talking about in media, in you know, sport. Sydney versus Melbourne. This real thing. Sydney versus Melbourne, and he got the crowd to do something, and and he got them eating out of the palm of his hands. And he even knows about this rivalry because he said something and it was probably like a 7 out of 10 response. And then he said, well, Sydney was far better than that. Let's have another go. And then the roof exploded. (laughs) Do you know what? I think it's one way. I don't think Sydney people invest in this rivalry. Big time. I don't think Sydney give a rat's about what's happening down in Melbourne. I feel as though this, whether it's racing, whatever it is, I feel as though it's one-way traffic. Melbourne always wanting to compete and one-up on Sydney side. If you're listening from from Melbourne or Victoria, give us a call and and let us know what you think. But I truly don't think that it's a two-sided argument.
3: Yeah, I I think they think about it a lot more than we do. The same as I think Queenslanders think a lot more about state of origin than New South Wales do. And it shows in that sense because they're they're better at it. But, um, yeah, Melbourne would you say you can't even say they're the little brother because they're almost on par these days in size yeah but you know what really pisses them off is when a tourist says to them you know an international tourist oh you know australia the opera house or the harbour bridge <laughs> or bondi beach oh, yeah. and they're like oh what about federation square philip <laughs> 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 you know, <Still> bay <laughs> the <What>? yarra <laughs> hello to our
1: once again we like to do this on the program we like to peel back the curtain And some of the best stuff I have to say happens in the ad breaks, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) But the missile was sort of regaling some great war stories that had us all listening in. And it was getting a little bit sort of dicey. (laughs) Not not so much dicey, but we certainly wouldn't want it to go to air. (laughs) And the the, the very, very very prudent tourist turned our mics down just in case of said event Mm. that it would go to air. And then the man that you, listener, have affectionately been introduced to called Disco Dave down there in Melbourne, well, it's Dirtbag Dave because by turning us down, that meant that he was now out of the conversation and you were just starting to get to the pointy end of this, <laughs> um, of this uh, story. And, and Dirtbag Dave said, hey, hey, keep the mics up. How are you, Dave? I haven't said day to you just yet. Are uh, you enjoying your afternoon? You've got a big smile on your face like a Cheshire cat. Yeah, no, doing doing well. Doing well. Could you
3: hear that whole story? Uh there was a bit in the middle I missed when you were uh, the mics, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I got most of it. You got most of it, did you? Uh, yeah. The tourist the tourist gets shocked by stories sometimes, Joel. Yes. And um like I guess when you go away on on sporting teams or events or stuff like that, and uh you get to see a fair bit more yeah. and you get you get exposed to a fair bit more. I would have loved to to seen the tourist on, you know, fly on the wall in a couple of oh. of big moments because um, I reckon we could have, yeah, opened his eyes to a few things.
0: <laughs> I'm a very simple man. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, that.
3: I know. I'm, no, but I want you to see what we've seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want you to be to, day to three on a Mad Monday and just <laughs> look inside the room at a football team just going bananas and just go, this is... This is uh, the realm of possibilities out there. I want, I want you to be on that cruise, that Red Bull cruise. That's probably you. To do.
1: <laughs> that's where I want the tourists I some wings. Uh, yes, that's fantastic. Uh, hey, uh, heading back to the old stomping ground next week. Yeah, the state cups on, and, and there was a listener very, very clever. So, Fletch had started a rumour where he said, "Massive breaking news: Seagulls Legend is leaving the nest to go and um, go with the Parramatta Eels, arch rival." And he said he's actually going to be in Parramatta Colours next week on a three-day camp in Port Macquarie. And this listener from Geelong, Josh, rang up, of all places, Geelong, to ring up about this. Smart. And he said, uh, well, I'm just reading between the lines. He's going from Manly to Parramatta. He's going to be there for a three-day camp in Port Mm. Macquarie. He said, is he going to the famous New South Wales State Cup? To which, and it's still drama, mind you, but he has defected from Manly to Parramatta. You grew up
3: in Port Macquarie, Missile. It's a yes. huge event. Huge weekend. And the, it makes sense that it's this weekend because it's raining. It used to rain every, every time. year. Every time. And Port Macquarie gets probably. Next what? weekend. Next weekend. All oh, right, weekend. you might be all right. Port Macquarie gets maybe uh, max a dozen days of rain a year. It got voted, Brooksy, the best climate in Australia to live. You can Google that. That's it's, it's a fact. It <laughs> doesn't rain much, very temperate winter. It um, doesn't get too hot because it's right on the coast. Yeah, uh, but State Cup every year. It's like our three days of rain every year was State Cup yeah, weekend. every time. And that Toughens Lane, when they play it, would go under, like, yeah. badly. Well, yeah. there was one year where the, the
1: rain wasn't a problem, but it was 6,000 degrees. Then there was another year where the rain wasn't a problem, wasn't heaps hot, but there was the, the bushfires. That bushfires, have, yeah. That, that caused all the carnage. Then, of yeah. course, COVID. So they've had no real luck the New South Wales touch. But uh, do you remember
3: going out there? And what are some of your – have you got a story from – the Port, Macquarie Port Macquarie story. Yeah, I've got Port Macquarie stories. So Port Macquarie, um, particularly going to school there, uh, things were probably a little bit looser than say a school in Sydney. Yeah. So we did uh, we did PDHPE uh, one year, and for that semester we were doing orienteering. Do you remember orienteering? Yeah. Yep. So you get the little compass, and we yep. practice it around the school. You know, the the teacher had put a piece of paper and this into the school, or whatever and you do your orienteering around the school. Anyway, it got to the end of term, and our end of term test was an orienteering thing in the bush. Yes. So they were going to drive us out to Warhope near Timbertown, Yep. which uh, some people will, will have heard of Timbertown. And you had to go through the bush. It was like a massive thing. Go through the bush, find all these checkpoints, do all this stuff, uh, and then come back and give them in at the end of the thing. So it would have been about four or five PE classes doing this. So about 50, 60, maybe 70 kids. Yep. So we go out on two buses out to Warhope near Timbertown. And before we go, uh, me and my mates were the more sporty kids, but I also had a bit of larrikin in us. So we decided to load up. We got uh, two cartons of eggs each and put them in the backpack. Yep. And we decided we're going to smash this orienteering. <laughs> we're going to sprint through this forest. We're going to finish super early, and then we're going to wait in the bush at the finish line. And as other teams or other kids start finishing, we're going to egg them all. <laughs> so they, we start this orienteering thing, and it's meant to be a full day thing. And everyone's like walking around through the bush. They start at the start with an air horn. The air horn goes off, and we just go, whoosh, go off, sprinting off into the bush, like running, running through the bush, getting, collecting all these checkpoints and stuff and we're absolutely flying, no other team's anywhere near us, then we get to a spot where there's basically only one road back to the finish line where all the teachers are. So we stay about 400 metres up the road so the teachers can't see us, Climb up some trees. Clean get up out trees. Yeah, trees? get out two two cartons of eggs each, and then the first group that comes is this big group of girls, and we're like, "Ah, well, we're here now. We just pelt them with eggs," oh. <laughs> and they're screaming and crying and running through the bush. And then every group that came through, we start egging. Oh. So after after a while, we've egged about 30, 40 people. And the teachers come walking back up through the bush because the people have got yes. to the end and they're <laughs> looking for us. And we're sitting up in these trees but and I the teachers are coming. Did. No, he didn't, did they? No, he did didn't that? egg the teachers, but they eventually found us and uh, they brought us back. And we, we actually got so we all got A's on our assessment because we finished way under the time limit, even though we'd been sitting in trees egging people. All got A's <laughs> for our assessment, but then we all got suspended uh, because we've been egging people <laughs> out of the trees. And I remember the bus ride home. The rest of the year, but this is what we didn't really think about. So All the other kids turned on us as well because we're sitting on the bus and we were hammering people and they're all covered in an egg and it was super hot and sweaty and they all stunk on oh, this bus. Throw a bit of bacon on them. <laughs> yeah, but that was sort of, uh, that
1: was where we were with school luck. Welcome back to the Best of the Run Home with Joel and Fletch. Jerome Luai, plenty to talk about Tigers. Is he going to Luai Cart? We also spoke about the great Phil Gould.
0: It's an NRL news update. Subscribe to SEN League on YouTube and the SEN podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.
1: Righto, Missile. Have you seen what Brooksy's done here? Not Leichhardt. Very
3: clever. Leichhardt. Very clever.
1: Our man Adrian Brzenko in the Herald reporting the West Tigers will make an offer of four years, four and a half million dollars for Jerome Leichhardt. The Panthers offered a reported 1.7 over two years. Um it's just, he's got to take it, doesn't he?
3: Has to take it. Oh, big bickies. Big, big bickies. The important thing here, I think, is who's reporting this story. We both know um, Adrian Presenko pretty well, and he's usually pretty close to the mark. He, yep. doesn't, he doesn't write any rubbish or headline-grabbing articles, so pretty close to the money, I'd expect. I just, I don't know if it's a good fit for either. Um, like, if I was Luai... I, I probably wouldn't leave for that deal. If 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 they're at eight fifty, and he goes up to instead of eight fifty, he goes to what is it, one point one five. So let's say he get, gets another what? Yep, three hundred a year. <sighs> yeah, but you're. It's also... right. It's right in that sweet spot of would you? Wouldn't you? Because you know, at the Panthers, you're at least top four. Probably going to play in another grand final. Probably going to play Origin. Definitely going to play for Samoa. You go to the Tigers, and it's it's just a big gamble. Not let's not just bunker down on last year's grand final where Cleary comes to the
1: rescue, right? That if that was played over and over and over and over again, we could have so many different scenarios. Broncos would have won a majority of time under that format. But so for getting the grand final, but that exact side sands Cleary. Cleary's out of it. Could Cogger and Luai have won the comp for the Panthers?
3: I don't think so. You don't think so? No, I think that was 90% Cleary in that last 20 minutes. Yeah, but, but for getting... Oh, the down whole by year? Some, yeah, yeah, the so, whole
1: year. So if they rolled into the finals yep. without Cleary for whatever reason, yep. would they have been able to win it with Luai and Cogger?
3: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I rate Luai very highly. Uh, more at a club level than probably an origin level. Just his style of play suits club land a lot better. Yes. Um... I, I just think you don't know what you've got till it's gone, right? Like, he doesn't know how good winning is until he goes to a side that that isn't. And if I was him, you know, I'd be talking to a Matt Burton and saying, what's it like mm. going from near M medalist to uh, – sorry, near Clive Churchill medalist to not barely winning a game for two, three seasons. Um, yeah, that's a fair point you raise. I wonder if Matt Burton asked now, what would he have – I suppose he still would have made the right call, wouldn't he? I don't know. Like, you can see how frustrated he gets on the field sometimes. Yep. You can even see when, when he makes a break or a half break or he puts a kick in a certain position where if you're at the Panthers, it's a try. Yep. You're at the Bulldogs. Nobody's there. It's a frustrating thing. It's a really frustrating thing. And just for, for general quality of life, I mean, Luai, in terms of his surrounds, he's living, where, he's living where he's grown up. He's born and bred in the area. He's representing the area. He's absolutely killing it at club level. He's playing rep footy. He's, he could go down as one of the great 5 of all time purely off results. Yep. If he goes to the West Tigers, regardless of how he plays, if they're losing games, he'll never be remembered as a great of the game, right? Because players in those sides just don't get remembered because they don't have the, the runs on the board. I think you look at Burton's situation. So he, he's been at the
0: Bulldogs for two years, right? So he's two less premierships than Luai. Luai's won three at the Panthers. He's got Appy there from the old days. I don't think his legacy is going to get past Nathan Cleary's at Penrith, but he's got an opportunity to go to another club with a guy he played with to maybe create something special to get them off the bottom of the ladder. Well, don't forget, he might have four. his own, yeah.
1: Because Who, it's not for next year.
3: So he, yeah, yeah, he, he could correct. win another one, yeah. He could win potentially. Who's, who's the guy at the Tigers that he, he grew up with or played with? Who a- happy. happy,
0: yeah, I'm saying happy, but I'm I'm, mm. so, like, I'm talking, yeah. Let's say he gets a fourth premiership. You've got the Cleary connection there. Yes, he's he's achieved a lot at junior and um, senior level. Stephen Crichton's left. He potentially leaves. I think he backs himself. The way you see he, how he acts with the media, with how he the the confidence he's got. I think he's got enough confidence to go. You know what? I'm going to go and join you, Appy, and I'm going to try and help turn around the West Tigers the, and build a rivalry
3: between where I've come from. This,
1: this will happen. I, I, I think I yeah, think, I, so I, I think it will
3: happen. I think, you know what, as a, as a third party, just fan of the game, not invested in either, I want to see it, it happen. Oh, you, you don't like seeing teams struggling for a long period of time. Like when the Knights were really struggling for that extended period, y- you didn't like seeing the Knights lose. You kind of wanted them to see them go well again. And I'm at that point now with both the Dragons and the Tigers. Of course, the Bulldogs have sucked for about a decade. (laughs) I'm at that that point now with the Tigers and the Dragons where I'm kind of rooting for them as the underdog, which has come full circle a bit. Roosterman says, 300k makes losing feel okay. Picture this, Roosterman, and and this is the mentality of an athlete, right? Uh, I'll I'll give you my perspective from a swimmer. So, let's say I'm mid-season, I'm over in Europe and I'm racing once a weekend or something in, in big meets. If I lose a race that weekend or if I lose my main race to 100 freestyle, I'm hurting all week. I am thinking. I wake up thinking about it. I yep. go to bed thinking about it. I swim my laps of a day thinking about it. It negatively affects my mindset. And I have to work actively to get myself in a positive mindset to get back in the game so I can win that next weekend. If I lose a big game or a big race for an Olympics, for example, I'm thinking about that for six months, 12 months, 18 months. In, in some sta- in, in some instances, you know, a decade later a football player is the same your, your quality of life your quality of headspace is directly linked to your results and your profession so you imagine Brooksy if you came off today off this show and said we had technical difficulties missile swore Joel was stumbling over all his words so a regular show still a you chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you came off air every day going that was terrible yeah. that was terrible Imagine your quality of life. Yeah. And if, if I'm sure if Jerome Luai asked Matt Burton, what's your quality of life been like for the last two years? You've got an extra 400K in the back pocket. But how's that been? How did, how, how's your family life been? How's your interactions with your friends been? How is it every time you go to the pub, someone yelling out, hey, Burton, you suck, or the Bulldogs suck, or laughing at you? Rather... Then, if Burton stays at the Panthers, he would have played Origin every year at centre, right? Yeah. He was in there that year when he was there, and it was
1: actually did all right. the premiership he won for Penrith. Mate, he was nearly best on ground. He had a blinder of a grand final. So, but, but, three, but,
3: 300k changes some things.
1: Well, the, the other thing is to preface that it's not 300k, because if you're earning, if you're earning that type of money, the tax man's saying, I'll grab half of it off you.
3: Yeah. The, yeah. Mani-
1: the manager's taking 6 or 7% of yeah, it. Yeah. So really, it, it might be, at the end of the day, when all's said and done, it might be 140000 150000 mm. um, So there you go. Does he, does, Clement, he fit the way, in?
3: does he fit in at the
0: West Tigers? He's uh, a very polarizing figure. Publicly, yeah. But I, I reckon if
1: you're in his camp, I, I reckon if you asked every Penrith player privately they probably love him. Yeah. Absolutely love him. But I can see how he aggravates uh, people uh, publicly with the way he sort of goes about it. That's that's fine. He's a competitor. Um, Where's this one here? A stack of text messages coming through, but I saw one. Uh, Somebody was saying that, oh, Sugar, if Tigers are shopping around Clemmer, who the hell is getting paid massive overs? Well, it might be Mm -hmm. Jerome Loi. But this is Wild Panther who's commenting on that. David Clemmer could be the odd man out at the West Tigers in their pursuit of Jerome Loi. Um. Yeah, it's it's tough for Clem. He, he had a decent season last year, but but he's now getting on a little bit, isn't he? And that, same analogy, Taumalolo, the yep. physical type player, the running back in the NFL. You know, it's it's going to be hard for Clem.
3: Yeah, big. He's he's on big money too. Remember, yep. like the the Knights had to pay him big money to get him from the Bulldogs, and the Tigers have had to obviously match that. I'm not sure if. Uh, the Knights would still be paying a part of that contract. But he's probably not the tackle-busting player that he once was. But what some forwards have when they get older is that short passing game or offload game or late footwork at the line. Like, Josh Papali'i is nowhere near as robust as he was, uh, say, three, four years ago. But he's still got that late footwork at the line that works really well, that gives him a lot of tries, gives him space, gets him through, gets his... Head through the defensive line, and he's also got a short passing game and an offload, so yep. he doesn't age as poorly as a front rower. Whereas Clemmer's quite one dimensional, he's a beast in that one dimension, but as he gets older, uh, he's quite predictable. But I mean, in that West Tigers pack, I, I feel like they need an old hard nose like Clemmer. Take him out of that Tigers forward pack, Joel. And if you were in opposition, who would you be saying, Oh, worried about running into? so-and-so this weekend at the Tigers. Like, who's the enforcer if Clem is out of there? Well, I, I, I don't know why
1: they're letting Bloor go. I like Bloor. I like Utoikamanu. I like, like, like uh, Fadua Polly. Um, there's some good young players there. polley's is a good player, yeah. I, I reckon you're picking a good squad to go to, the West I, I honestly think it's not the worst on paper. Shane Flanagan shows interest in the Cowboys' half. Tommy did, and we're hearing this via APP, or AAP rather. If he decides... I want to test the market. He knows that we would love to have a talk. He's a young half player at Origin, got the world at his feet. He could be the future halfback of this club for another five or six years, says Shane Funny. Remember when Tommy in the poor bugger, he debuted with the Broncos. Yeah. And I reckon he maybe lost his first 20 games or something yeah. or something like that yeah. Uh, as a starting halfback, and then the Cowboys just uh, turned him into a terrific player. Phil Gould, uh, speaking about the Bulldogs, he was on with Jimmy Smith yesterday talking about, expansion and other things. Here's the great Gus Gould on SEM with Jimmy Smith. I've got no problem with the game expanding. I think it's only good for the game.
2: And I know Peter Valandis is keen on that fact as well. It's been well publicised. We're probably going to have an NRL franchise from PNG, um, which is important, but um, there are other areas around in New Zealand and Australia. Big strong front rowers and little halfbacks aren't just born on the eastern seaboard of Australia in New South Wales and Queensland. They're born all over the world, so... The further yeah. we can stretch out talent scouting and our ability to give them professional coaching
1: uh, in their teenage years is, is, is very important. Okay, there he is, the great man. Uh, thoughts on that, missile?
3: Yeah, I, I agree with Gus. Um, we, we do need to expand and there, there is some good possibilities. Um where that talent comes from you know, will, will they bring in that rule from to all our rugby players, is that where we're getting extra talent well, I don't necessarily think there's a lack of talent, I always love that thing that Wayne Bennett said where he said there's a lack of coaching rather than talent um, just on, on Shane Flanagan, he reminds me of like a 18, 19 year old kid who's been a big night out on the piss and he's uh he's come home empty (laughs) empty empty-handed and he's jumped on tinder he's just swiping right on everything (laughs) shane flanagan (laughs) swipe right he's he's swiping right everything anything (laughs) welcome to
1: the best of the run home with joel and fletch a great catch up with brad walter from nrl.com to talk all things png where do they stand in this world of rugby league and the expansion side of things have a listen to this Plenty to talk about with Rugby League. Now, the senior journalist of NRL.com happens to be Mr. Brad Walter. And he's in the studio, which happens to be the Sporting Globe. <laughs> and he's uh, taking up with the, the local drop as well, which is good to see. Brad,
4: how are you, mate? Mate, I'm really good. And, yeah, thanks for having me. It's it's great to be here. What an awesome setup. I haven't been to this bar before. You've been in Papua New Guinea for about a month? I have, yeah. It was fantastic. For, up, up there for the Pacific Championships.
1: Okay, before we get right into that... Uh, the Missile tease before we went to the break that you had a novel idea, Missile.
3: Okay, so we're talking about giving salary cap exemption to uh, rugby players to come to the NRL. Now, can we agree we only, we only really want the stars? Yep. That's what they're talking about. So my idea is rather than having salary cap dispensation for the individual club, that player gets double payments for any rep game they play. So if they come to the NRL and are successful, uh, let's say Marky Mark, the winger, let's yep. say he comes to the Roosters, he's successful. He yep. then plays for New South Wales. Instead of getting thirty thousand per game, he gets sixty thousand per game. Right. So instead of getting ninety thousand, he gets one hundred eighty thousand for Origin. Yep. He's then been so successful. He then plays for Australia. So instead of getting the ten thousand per game or whatever for Australia, he then gets twenty thousand per game for Australia. All up, he'd get say somewhere in the in the region of. $240,000 extra for playing all the rep games in a year. Yes. So if he's a star, if he comes from rugby, there's no advantage to the Roosters because he's not, he's not getting that extra money from the Roosters. But every time he represents, he gets double payments.
4: Thoughts, Brad. So, well, if he's a dud, he doesn't have yeah, money.
3: Yeah. yeah, too bad. Because he's got to back himself, right? And, and him coming, if he's coming from the Wallabies to the Roosters, he's surely backing himself in to get back up to the Kangaroos, right? Or you wouldn't come across. See, me personally, whether it's that model or whether it's uh, the salary
1: cap dispensation, I'm not a fan, and the reason being is I hate businesses who... It annoys me when businesses reward new customers more so than their own loyal customers, right? So yeah. w- why should Kalen Ponger have to max out at $1.2 million, yet blah, blah comes in? And you've seen the reverse of this with Joseph Swalee. Um, my idea, just this... this Nothing to do what we're talking about here, but the NFL target. I believe. See, there, I'm happy for an NFL player to come over with a huge exemption for salary cap because it's, you're trialling a totally new thing. It's not. Yeah. It's not a sure bet. Okay, so I'm happy for every team to have a free kick at however much you want to pay an athlete from over there. But Brad, I reckon where we need to go is the opportunity for Australia into America. I think via the NRLW because. If the NRLW at the moment... And and you guys would have the numbers... But the average rugby league NRL player of the male variety... Probably started playing their first game of tackle rugby league at maybe 9 or 10. Right now, and this is going to grow because all these girls are now playing it... But right now the average age would probably be 16 or 17 when they played their first ever game. Which means the athlete from America... If we target those girls and fill up the NRLW with a lot of American ladies they can catch up far quicker than what the same age boy can do in my opinion as it stands
4: that's that's why the standard of the NRLW keeps rising each year because the players are obviously playing at a higher level getting more experience and we are now getting girls come through I think maybe Keely Davis was the first player to have played rugby league or been able to play rugby league from under sevens or whatever all the way through so she's like 22 I think. Right. So th- that's the you know so anyone older than 22 they had to stop playing at some stage they they didn't have those opportunities. So yeah you're 100% right and from what I understand the combine that's being talked about there's a lot of focus on NRLW NRL, w, NRL there is. players there's going to be I believe that there could there's also going to be NRLW combine.
1: Brad just back on to PNG and, and if you, you work for the NRL so clearly you're going to be pro it but sell us, for the person who's sitting out there who might be 50-50 I'm on board it but the first person who may be 50-50 about P&G being an expansion team what would you say to them?
4: Well I, I, at the moment from what my experience of being up there for four weeks I couldn't see any reason why they wouldn't be the team I couldn't see any negatives um, I felt safe and albeit look, the NRL were very security conscious when yep. I was there, so probably, you know, it wasn't like I was out wandering the streets, yep. Um, but you know, there's pe- people up there like, so Tony Archer's right up there now, he's in charge of officiating, and he's they're going to introduce the Captain's Challenge in PNG next season in the, in the Digicel Cup, they want to make the Digicel Cup.
1: How does that go currently, that competition?
4: Well, it's very popular, yep. I haven't seen much of it, or yep. probably mm-hmm. haven't seen any of it, to be honest, yep. but they want to make it the third biggest or the third best rugby league competition in the world after the NRL and the Super League and yeah. so they've got Tony Archer up there introducing they're going to they're have a captain, captain's challenge um, they've got independent doctors oh, yeah. um, you know for HIAs etc so anything that happens in the NRL they replicate it in that competition there um, Joey Grimmer used to be at Parramatta and, and he was at the Dragons yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good and spent been around for a long time. So Joey's up there and he's working in Pathways. Right. And he's like, he coached the Junior Kumals. Um They went close against the Australian Schoolboys. It was a pretty clo- very close game. And he's like identifying talent. This, and his biggest issue was going to be, there's so many kids. How do you find the talent? Yeah. you know, so It's a good problem to have, really. A, it's an awesome problem to have. And, like, just a, a, a couple of little anecdotes from up there. So, jo- Joey was telling me that one of the best local grounds, and the local grounds seriously don't have a blade of grass on them, right? Really? Be- but, and he said, but one of the best local go- grounds, they play 160 games every week <laughs> oh, end on them. That's <laughs> why it's got no grass. Really? right? And they train five nights a week. That's the demand of, of the interest of the game. That's the interest of the game. It's just, they just all want to play. So, those games are like... Eight minutes each way, you know, wow. just yeah. to, so that everybody can get on. Do wow. you think
3: that players that played for PNG would live uh, and play in Port Moresby, or are you more of a Cairns?
4: I, th- I think for the first five years or so, would have to be Cairns, um, because like at the moment, the the P- the there's like there's a fair transition, not just in footy, but in lifestyle yeah. for players from PNG coming to the NRL, and that's probably why we haven't seen that. That many, you yes. know, obviously Justin Ollum and Marcus By, and those sort of guys. But the Hunters, they're like a sort of transition team. So there's like there's 11 of the Kumuls are playing in the Super League. Yes. You know, so that they come from P&G into the Hunters, play in the Queensland Cup, learn about obviously professionalism, but also like life skills um, to be able to then go to England and play in the Super League or Move to Australia on a full-time basis to play with an NRL club. So there's, you know, there the pathways are being developed, you know, from Joey Grimmer's yes. work through to 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 the the Hunters. Um, but it's obviously, if we were to bring a team in, you know, in the next couple of years, there's not a ready no, the number of players. Not seventeen. No local players. No, that's right. But like, hopefully. You know yeah. the NRL team will be the top yep. of the part of the tree, and then Joey Grimmer's work was the bottom of the pathways, and so the more players, there'll be like an elevator bringing those players up, and there are yeah. so many players there. And as I said, they want to make the local comp the third best competition in the world. So the talent, there's no doubt the talent's there and will be there, and I assume that, you know, I think it's got to start in Cairns to attract players, but uh, or somewhere like that, but you know eventually it's a PNG team so it would have to be based in Port Moresby and it's not you know I was sending my wife photos and she said it looks like Vanuatu wow yeah you know welcome back
1: to the vessel run home with Joel and Fletch and what a chat this was we love this bloke legendary BBC rugby league commentator Trevor Hunt was down at the sporting globe with us and here's how it played out a few uh, texts already coming through for our next guest who happens to be legendary BBC commentator Trevor Hunt who 20 years ago gave me my very first opportunity on the wireless and I'm pleased to say he's in Australia the great man and he's sitting alongside the missile Trevor great to have your company
3: here old boy how are you
2: I'm good thanks uh, I think you misread it it's a legend not legend <laughs> so, uh, sorry about
3: that you brought the weather with you today
2: ah uh, yeah well it's just like being back home and uh, I don't have any waterproof gear and of course, I'm just getting wet. And then you <laughs> dry up pretty quickly, don't you?
1: How many trips have you made to Australia in yeah. your career?
2: Uh, I've been here, I think the first time I came was 2006. But uh, I've probably uh, spent something like 15 or 16 months at least in Aussie since then. I just love it. It suits me to the ground.
1: So you put the binoculars down after, typically after a grand final. Yeah. And then you get yourself to Australia most years.
2: Yeah, well, grand final finished, uh, what was it this time, 14th of October on the 16th. Me and the missus were on a flight over here. And we'd been here uh, earlier in the year when I flew home to do the first Super League game. So, you know, that's the way it is. Wow. A couple of
3: NRL players heading to uh, the Super League this year. But we've got a couple coming from the Super League. To the NRL. Most NRL fans wouldn't have heard of these guys before. Uh, Leon Price and Clyde Pierce-Paul. Very interested to get a little bit of background on these two because none of us had heard of Don Young before. No. And then he has exploded this season to almost one of the best wingers in the NRL.
2: now well, Don Young's been absolutely fantastic. He's one of these youngsters, isn't he? That was I think he's from Huddersfield where, yep. And uh, he, he's actually come over very early on, got into the NRL system and taken on. When you're talking about Young Price, and I, I don't think it's Leon, is it? Um, because... Yeah, the, I've
3: got Leon there. As his, I was saying, his, I was like, that was his dad, was That's he? his dad. Will, Will Price. Price. Yeah. Will, Price, Will Price. Yeah. Price, yeah.
2: Yeah, so... Um, you know you guys know you're right, so uh, it 's price anyway but yeah, well, yeah. he, he's a he's a cracking young player and uh, with Huddersfield you know he, he probably wasn 't fitted into the system quite as it should be now his dad obviously was a great player, came yes. over here famously one year when would it be nineteen uh, two thousand and eight or something said that Blackpool was better than Bondi <laughs> when, uh, when right. he was quoted in the... Was uh, he at five uh, uh, Yeah, he was. Yeah, Sydney Morning Herald. Well, yeah. Yeah, and actually, it set up the test really nicely. But yeah, he's a great player. it's young Price. He's good off either foot. He's got a good set of uh, pair of hands and he's quick as well. What and position? He's a halfback usually but he's been playing fullback. So he's a player who might go well. It's like everything when you come over to the NRL. The pressure that the players are under is like something I'm sure they've never experienced a Home, yes, it's great being a good player in Huddersfield or places like that. But when you come out here you're under the spotlight, aren't you? There's nowhere you can hide. You know, whatever bar you're in, yep. somebody mm. will know who you are. Back home, yes, they won't unless you're in your local. So it's a bit like that, really. Well, Brandon, uh, who Brandon the other Smith, one you mentioned? he came
1: out and said the same thing, even just from Melbourne. So certainly yeah. Sydney and Brisbane, you're in the fishbowl. Yeah, uh, you are. and you're under the. So the other players that have come out, Trevor, and I'll be fascinated. You've called these guys so many times. I'll be fascinated to think who you think is the cherry pick to have the better career out here. So you've got... uh Will Price, who you've mentioned, Kai Pierce Paul, and you've also got Morgan Smithies, who's going to Canberra.
2: Yeah, well, Morgan and Kai Pierce, uh, pa- Pierce Paul, hyphenated name, they're both from the Wigan Warriors. So they're members of the championship of the grand final winners this year. Yes. Now, Kai Pierce Paul came from London, rugby union base, and he's done exceptionally well. He's tall, he's range, he's got good hands, he's a second rower or centre, but he can actually play at halfback as well. Now, he is a good player. Prospect, you're catching early. Morgan Smith is, I think he's. A, if I'm trying to think right here, and I might be wrong on it, but I think he's a Halifax-based lad from a club called Siddle. He's a hard-working. Back rower, we've not really seen in the UK that he's been one that's been creative. He's a bit more of a hard defensive guy. And he'll take in the hard, hard meters, hard yards, whatever you want to call it. He'll work really hard. He might fit in with the work ethic that's expected over here. Piers Paul might need a little bit of. Um, guiding along the way because I would imagine in the NRL having seen and watched it over the Mm. years with the likes of Bateman, Whitehead, Hodgson the English guys come over and they're ready for a good smacking aren't they because they've got a good contract they're English you know we're not supposed to be as tough as you guys and They've got to get a bit of extra attention, just yeah. like you got at Salford, Joel. <laughs> That's yeah. right. What
1: about um, Matty Moylan? So he's going to the your, Lee your, Leopards. your club.
2: Yeah, well, Lee Leopards, I mean, they're a side who didn't exist, if you're talking about names, 12 months ago. They were the Lee Centurions. And there's a story behind that. Yeah. The Centurions, uh, they'd misspelled it. They meant It was supposed to be 100 years old, uh, they were trying to talk about, it, which is Centurion. What they call them, Centurions, which is a Roman general. So they went with all the Roman gear. (laughs) And he only has like uh, 80 uh, 80 soldiers in his cohort. And he's actually a sergeant. So they got it all completely wrong. (laughs) So they renamed it, rebranded it the Leopards when they were in Super League this year. And everybody went, Oh, what name is that? They misspelt it, they (laughs) said it. Anything you could, of course, wipe the smirks off the face. The owner, Derek Beaumont, why, you'd love him over here. He's got three, four Lamborghinis all in leopard print. Wow. Where oh, he only nice. wears leopard print suits. Is it, is, he, yeah, is, it, okay. uh, is it decking or something, isn't it? Is yeah, it, he's A and B sun decks. I mean, su- decks. I live in Lee, or <laughs> near <laughs> enough. We don't get enough sun for a sundeck. <laughs> ever, ever, yeah. He seems to have, uh, with caravans and sites like that in the UK, where he actually. Um, has the uh, patent on this. And so there's a lot of money coming in uh, for Derek. And, you know, flamboyant doesn't come in. If he knew this was going on, he would fly out and do your pro He really, really loves it, Derek, and the town love him. But, yeah, Um, I was with with Kieran Pirdle on one of my radio programs a few weeks ago, and he was saying that in Lee, the current, current, um, what's the currency? Is leopard print. Wow. If you were leopard print, well, and I'll like tell it. you, I'll give it's you a this a one. Bit of Warwick cuppa <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So when they won the Challenge Cup, they have an open-top deck bus that goes around the. Like the town and it was amazing. Over oh, seventy odd thousand. Really? Other, yeah, there's only forty odd thousand supposedly live in the town, seventy odd thousand on the route and in the town all. I'm on the top deck. Derek said you can come on the bus, but you must wear leopard print. Oh. Now, this is forty five minutes before they're going. We're doing a program there. I don't have any leopard print. But my wife had a leopard print t shirt. Oh yes, please. So I put it on. Oh, God it was tight. Size twelve, it's tight on me. So <laughs> Whilst I first went to join the bus, and Derek giving the one, so yeah, you'll do. My wife went and bought size 16 from the local um, superstore or whatever, <laughs> and uh, I had to wear that with a black jacket on the top. Then I could oh. be on the bus.
1: So, uh, and, and that was a very—I I loved watching the highlights of this. You've got a father, Adrian Lamb,
2: yeah. and his yeah, son cool. kicks
1: a winning goal yeah. to win the Challenge Cup. You're calling it for the BBC. That would have been one of the bigger moments of a rugby league game I think you've probably ever called, wouldn't it, one of those well, moments?
2: it was my 25th Challenge Cup final, and it's my hometown club. And as a kid, I'd been there when they'd won it 52 years ago, so i have been around that long. And just to see it was amazing. And then I spoke to Adrian Lamb after, and he was saying that, um, he actually uh, went on air saying that he was, they had a, a move whereby the ball was supposed to go out to uh, the fullback um, I forgot his name huh? he was supposed to go right to the fullback yep. he was supposed to go for a goal right but as the ball was going to him it was under pressure so the next aspect of the move was everybody was closing on him because they were expecting Gazobrine it was expecting the ball to go to him so the next play was he went left to Lachlan because everyone's closing on Gaz O'Brien and Lackland was not supposed to be picked up and he wasn't and he said I could see everybody closing and then I thought in those seconds, my son is going to win the challenge well, for Lee Lachlan. Well, in- in he him. could see it, wow. what was going to Makes unfold. Yeah, yeah. What was going to unfold, he could see that O'Brien wasn't going to make the winning drop goal. It wasn't going to be hist- no. history. It was going to be Lachlan Lanz wow. and it turned out That's to be that.
1: Cool. What about this Challenge Cup and the stories you can have like the one that Trevor's just shared I like then? I the
2: concept of it.
1: So, I really do. Well, this is one of my my hairs are standing up thinking about this and admittedly they're mates right but <laughs> yeah. Western Sydney here in Australia there's two young blokes and I've shared it on the program but I have not shared it with you Trevor where you've got two kids in the same team in under eights being coached by Steve Price is what I'm talking about, yeah, and Justin yeah. Holbrook. Under eights, they're playing together. Mm. The late Chicker Price, the great man, he was the coach of the team. And then all of a sudden, that's a photo of them playing in under eights. Yeah. And now there's a photo they've both got on their walls where it's these two kids from Western Sydney who came through the ranks together out at Reesby Way. And now in between them for a photo... Is somebody who couldn't have had more of a different life, Prince Harry. <laughs> so it's just it makes, as I said, my hairs are standing up talking Both about no it man. to have these two, yeah. Butler kids from yeah. the yeah. Sydney West, and in between them is the bloody Prince Harry. It was, yeah, it was yeah. very quite cool. remarkable. Uh, people, a lot of text messages coming through, a lot of people asking about Magic Round announced for Ellen Rhodes in Leeds. Yes, and it's gone down like a pricked balloon.
2: Yeah, it's not popular. I mean, look, the concept of Magic, which was started Millennium Magic 2000, yeah. was, oh, it's just a few years after that, but the, the concept was that it was to promote rugby league in areas that don't really p- play rugby league, but yeah. seem to have some sort of following. So. It started in Cardiff, you know, obviously the Welsh Ruby Union did well. And then you might have played it when it was in that area. No, day. I, I missed just, it. I missed oh, it. Oh, yep. yeah. And then, of course, it, uh, this will be the sixth venue. They've been the Cardiff, they've been to Liverpool. Liverpool, I thought, was a disaster.
1: Thanks for listening. The best of the run home with Joel and Fletch. Don't forget, you can catch us live Monday to Friday in your afternoons, belatedly through the podcast, if that's available to you, through Spotify and Apple Podcasts, social media, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. You can catch us at Joel Fletch, SEN, and YouTube. We're now on YouTube, so subscribe to The Run Home with Joel and Fletch. We'll catch you next time.